Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. thank all of you for continuing to watch online and not just watch online for also for sharing these services as well. It is a wonderful opportunity for actually you and I to partner together to reach people who would not normally either be able to attend or possibly wouldn't attend a church. Uh, During this time, we can actually share the message uh, of God's love and grace and mercy and hope. We have positive news in a world of negativity. We have something good to share. So share this message with others. And and I know if you send that out with a prayer, that God will certainly speak to the hearts of your family and friends as they join us here in Fort Worth for these uh, services. And I want to thank our uh, county officials, our city officials. Uh, They have deemed it okay and safe for us to have a skeleton crew here to be able to go live with you each service. A lot of churches and a lot of areas of our country are not able to do that. We've still been able to do it. And so as long as we are able to do it, we will go live at each of our regularly scheduled services. Uh, In addition to bringing you a good Friday service this Friday night, all of these services are live. And I'm so thankful to our crew who are, are here. We're separated from one another in this big room. Our tech crew does such an amazing job making sure you can hear and see these services. And I'm so grateful uh, to the tech team. And then, of course, our uh, band and and those guys for being here each weekend. And then, of course, Rob and Laney. It's just a joy to bring worship live to you in your home or wherever you are. I told the 930, looking around this big old room, I just thought, boy, you could sure stack a lot of hay in here. That's a big old empty space. So we hope that soon we'll be back together. But like Laney said earlier, the church really isn't bricks and mortar or steel and stone. The church is the people. In fact, when you look at 1 Corinthians 3, the apostle Paul wrote and said, you are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Now in the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people, but in the New Testament, he has a people for his temple. We're the church. And so we're excited about being the church, being able to reach out into this community and help people who are hurting to lift some of the financial need off of them by providing groceries for them. And it's so wonderful as a church family you continue to support the ministry that enables us to do what we can to help hurting people. Uh, We just get more creative at it, right? And during the series, Paradox, we've been talking about how God can take the bitter, sweet experiences of life and work those things out for our good and for his glory. He can take good things and bad things and happy things and sad things, and he can take everything ultimately and make it work. Romans 8:28 is a powerful verse. He says, for we know all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called uh, to his purpose. So you and I are going through a, a time in our lives right now in our country, we may never see anything quite like this again. And so we're also going to be able to see God do something very unique in our life, in our church, in the community, and even in the country, in the world, unlike anything we've ever seen him uh, do before. Uh, in fact, I would say this, if you want something from God you've never had before, 
You have to be willing to go somewhere with God you've never been before. And we're certainly on a journey that we've never been on before. And the exciting thing, the good news about the bad news is we have an opportunity of seeing God do something like we've never seen him do before. So I'm believing that. That is the faith that I have. It's the hope I have. It's the encouragement I hope I can share with you today. God's still on the throne. This too shall pass. And I believe he's doing some amazing things in our lives if we're sensitive and cooperative with him. This morning, I want to talk about an inevitable, inescapable reality that hits every life watching the service today. And that is storms. Storms are going to happen into every life. The old saying goes, a little rain must fall. The Bible says in Matthew chapter five that it rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on people who know God. It rains on people who do not know God. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are or how spiritual you aren't. No one escapes the storms of life. It is a powerful reality. It is a powerful metaphor that is in our songs and in our literature and in our in our uh, poetry, it's in our, it's in our Bibles, this idea that people will go through the storms of life. Our world is going through a unique storm. As I said a moment ago, our country, our city and church, we're all going through something unique. And I don't know what type of storm you're facing. All the prayer requests that are listed and the people who are calling and writing and sharing, everyone, guys, everyone is going through something. And one of the things that we need to be sensitive to as a church family and people who know God is to the storms that people around us are going through. What an incredible opportunity we have through this incredible technology to be able to stay in touch one, with one another, to pray for one another, to check on one another. And how significant that is during this time that you have that type of ministry, that type of opportunity. So I just wanna just drive down this thought in your minds that every one of us go through storms. It's different maybe perhaps uh, than you go through, I go through, it's different than a neighbor may go through, but we all go through some type of storm. And what I wanna talk about this morning, the paradox is this idea that we can have, be secure in the storm. We can actually have peace in the storm. Now we've talked about, and you've heard me say this, that oftentimes when we pray and we ask God to change our circumstance, and certainly I'm doing that, I know you're doing that, we're praying for this virus, for there to be a, a, an effective treatment and ultimately a cure for it. We're all praying, we're praying for safety every day and, and time and time again throughout the day for our medical personnel, our first responders, for people who work in the grocery stores and the truck drivers and all the people who are providing essential services we pray for their protection, and we pray that soon this circumstance will change in our world. But here's what I know about God and what I'm trying to wrap my head around how he works is that sometimes, sometimes God will lift the burden off of a person, and sometimes he will give the person the strength to carry the burden. Now, that's, that, that's his call. <laughs> that, that's way above my pay grade. I don't know how he makes those calls and I don't know uh, uh, the thinking behind it, but he does. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe he is all wisdom. I believe he loves me and loves you more than we love ourselves. I believe there is nothing he would not do for one of his kids. I think if we get to heaven one day and he looks out and sees one of his kids missing, I think he would bankrupt heaven and put the angels on half ration before he would leave one of his children behind. 
God loves all of us. He loves each one of us. So I'm saying in his infinite wisdom, in his boundless love for each of us, sometimes God will say, I'm going to lift that from them. And sometimes conversely, he says, I'm going to give them the strength to bear it. You remember the apostle Paul? Three times, Lord, remove the thorn from me. And God said, no, son, I'm not going to do that. But instead, I'm going to give you the grace to bear it. And so I'm suggesting to your heart that sometimes, as you've heard this expression, sometimes God will calm the storm and sometimes he'll calm his child. And so I don't know what you're going through again. I'm just using this metaphor of a storm to help us wrap our minds around the reality that all of us go through times in our life and those times of our life can be defining moments. Those times of our lives can allow us to see ourselves differently, to see others differently, to see God differently. And God is working in and through everything. So don't waste your trouble. Don't waste the storm. Slow down, hit the pause button and say, okay, God, help me to learn what you're trying to teach me in and through this experience. Let me also say just by way of introduction, there, there's no storm-free zones. There's no place you can live. There's no uh, place you can be that will exempt you from storms. Uh, by the way, I said a moment ago, doesn't matter how close you are to God, it, uh, listen, it doesn't even matter uh, if, if you have him on your boat when you go through a storm, you're still going to go through a storm. None of us are exempt. And one of the things the storms will do, when you read Hebrews 12, 27, the storms reveal certain things. I mean, the principle of Hebrews 12, 27 is this, and that is there is a shaking or a storm that will hit our lives. And when the storm is over, we'll find out the things that were permanent and the things that were temporary when the storm ends, when the shaking is done. So it's this idea that our lives are shaken violently, the house is shaken violently, and the things in the house and the things in our lives that are solid and are permanent uh, can survive the storm. But the things that were weak and the things that were fragile and the things that were not permanent will fall as a result of the storm. Can I tell you, you'll learn something about people in your life when you go through a storm. You'll learn something about those in your life who are solid and those who are certain and those who are sure. You'll learn something about the flakes that are in your life as well. So a storm can have a positive outcome if we'll allow it. It can reveal some things to us that maybe we wouldn't see in any other circumstance. So this morning, again, I want to talk to you for a little while about Jesus and his disciples in a boat in the middle of a lake in the middle of a massive storm. Now, before I read the text, let me give you the context. The ministry of Jesus is in full bloom. He's at the very heart of his ministry. He has just preached to literally thousands of people. And as his ministry began to unfold and his popularity began to grow, everywhere he went, crowds were attracted to him. Remember, he started out in anonymity. For the first few years of his life, we don't really know a lot about what happened. We know when he was a boy, when Mary brought him and laid him in the arms of Gamaliel, uh, the priest, for his circumcision. We know that happened, and we know the old man looked up into heaven and said, I'm ready to die. My eyes have now seen the Lord's Christ. We know later on when he was 12 years old, he, he gets lost, or he's not lost, but Mary and Joseph get lost from Jesus. They can't find him. He's in the temple area. They know he's there somewhere. So in their panic, they're trying to find him. And mama goes into mama bear panic mode and finally finds him and says, Jesus Christ, where have you been? 
And he said, look, I've got to be about my father's business. And the Bible says at 12, he's confounding the most educated people of his day. But from that point till he's about 30 years of age, we don't know a lot about him. We assume that he became a carpenter. His father was a carpenter. We know Mary had other children, and we know that during that period of time that Jesus was probably a, a very successful businessman. But when you read John chapter 2, all of a sudden, he's on the pages of, of history in his ministry as it's launched when John, who is baptizing on the banks of the Jordan, looks up and sees him. And John says, behold, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And at that moment, John said, my ministry will have to decrease while his ministry increases. And Jesus steps on the stage of life and thousands of people began to follow him. On this Palm Sunday, we're reminded of the triumphal entry of Christ into the city of Jerusalem in Passover season. And they waved the palm leaf shouting, Hosanna, which is God save us. But that same group a few days later would turn on him and shout, crucify him. Because Jesus who came into the world, his first coming was not a coming that, where he would rule and reign. It was a coming where he would suffer and die. Now the second time he comes, he will rule and reign. And I'm looking forward to that time. But that first coming, that Palm Sunday, when he announced he is in the house, Jesus is here. But he was coming to go to a cross to bear my sin and yours. And he was coming to die on the cross to satisfy the justice of a holy God on sin. And he would not stay there as we'll celebrate next weekend. He came out of that grave victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. But when John sees him, he announces he's here. He's the lamb. He's God's sac He's the sacrifice that will end all sacrifices. And from that point, folks, people began to follow him by the thousands. They loved to hear him teach. Now, Jesus had the ability to confound them. He could have taught principles that would have been far above their head. But the ministry of Jesus and his teaching was always geared so that the simplest person and the smallest child could understand him. He put those cookies down there on the bottom shelf where everybody could reach him. And so Jesus taught and the people came. And on this occasion, in the context of our text, he's actually in a boat that's pushed back a little bit from the shoreline. And there's this beautiful amphitheater, this natural amphitheater where thousands of people are sitting. And his voice would bounce from the water and every person heard him. And not only did they hear him, they comprehended what he was saying. After his message was over, he had the, you know, Pharisees there to give him grief. It was always that religious group that was giving him problems and they were quizzing him, trying to trip him up, trying to find something wrong with him. So he had to deal with that, right? And then when you read the narrative, he also had his family there who were really jealous of the fact that he didn't really have time to spend with them. And not only that, they were wondering what he was doing, telling everybody he's the son of God and the Messiah. Some of his family thought he was crazy. <laughs> so he had all this going on. And finally, as the day is dawning and people are, or the day is ending rather, and people are leaving, he says to his disciples, let's get in the boat. I've got a ministry on the other side of the lake. We'll go across the lake. And the Bible says they get in the boat. Jesus goes down into the, into the center of that boat and goes to sleep. Here's our text. It's in Mark chapter four. Look at verse 35. And on that same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. We're going to go across this lake, fellas. So here we go. So when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And the Bible says, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But 
he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and say to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then Jesus turns to them and says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let me point out two or three very practical things that I hope you'll see from this context that I hope that will help you understand that there's a way to be secure in the storm. First thing is obvious. I want, you to, I want to talk to you a moment about the power of the storm. The power of the storm. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to undersell uh, it. I don't, I don't want to, uh, <laughs> that, that you have to realize this was a, this was a storm that happened suddenly. It came on them. And the Sea of Galilee, if you study that, the Sea of Galilee was known for these um, enormous storms that would happen seemingly out of nowhere. The geographical location and the way the sea is situated, uh, people who've studied that say it was very common for these very fierce storms to happen out there on the sea. It happened suddenly. When they set sail, the skies didn't look like there was any storms coming. It was only five miles across where they're trying to cross the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, there's this incredible storm. So the point I want to make as I apply this narrative is simply this. Sometimes the storms you and I encounter happen suddenly, happen quickly. Maybe it's in a text. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a phone call. Have you ever found in your life that you've gone through something? I have. That it just seems like in a moment you went from smooth seas to stormy skies. That you went from everything is going great and everything is moving in the right direction and all of a sudden you find yourself being tossed uh, here and there and you're wondering what in the world just happened to me? I guarantee you there are people watching this service or people who will watch that have gone through or are going through something in your life that happened suddenly, out of nowhere. And your head was just spinning with the quickness and, and, the, and, and how fast your life has suddenly changed and how you found yourself now in a different circumstance altogether. So this storm, and I don't want you to miss it, when I talk about the power of the storm, I want you to know it was sudden. And not only was it sudden, it was severe. This is a severe storm. Did you catch that in the narrative where they said the water was coming over inside of the boat? Now, look, I can tell you there's nothing wrong with the boat being in the water, but when the water gets in the boat, you got another problem. And there's nothing wrong with God's children being in a storm, but when the storm starts getting inside of us, we have a problem. All of a sudden, it's affecting my peace. All of a sudden, it's affecting my joy. All of a sudden, I find my spiritual equilibrium off balance. It's because there's water in the boat. It's the trouble that I'm going through now is suddenly something that's in my heart and in my spirit, and it's affecting me. And that's what gave these guys so much heartburn and so much difficulty is now this storm that happened suddenly, the severity of this storm was such that the water now is getting in the boat. Third thing I'd have you to consider when we talk about the power of the storm is not only was this storm sudden and not only was this storm severe, but this storm was sent Storms have an origin. Now, I, I honestly think that the devil sometimes sends storms into our life. I think when I study this text in context, I think that's exactly what this storm was. 
because it isn't long when Jesus gets to the other side and they do make it. When he gets to the other side, he deals with this demonic man, the Gadarenes and all of that issue that he faced. And I think the devil, every step of the way was trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross. He was trying to keep that from happening. So what the devil was doing in trying to stop Jesus, he was sending every type of opposition that he could find and throwing everything he could. Now here they are at a storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and I believe this storm had a satanic origin. And you'll find yourself in life, man, when you commit your life to Christ and you start trying to do the right thing and you try to do the right thing with your family and you really show up and you try to connect with them. Many of you are trying to do that now that we're doing this quarantine at home and you're trying to be the right person and you're all this. And all of a sudden you find there's just water getting over in the boat. And you find that it's a struggle and you find this oppression that's kind of trying to set on you a little bit. And I want to tell you, the enemy is trying to keep you from doing the thing that you know you should do. You know, Paul Harvey, you say, you know you're on the road to success when it's uphill all the way. Paul said, there's a great and effectual door open to me, but there are many adversaries. And I've told you that doors of opportunity swing on the hinges of opposition. Sometimes you know you're doing right when all hell comes against you, against you, against your family. That's a pretty good sign you're doing something right. That is the good news about the bad news. That's the paradox, perhaps in your home. So some storms are of a satanic nature. Sometimes the devil just comes against you in all of his power to try to stop you from God's purpose for your life. Sometimes they're not satanic in origin. Sometimes they're self-imposed storms. You know, you and I can set sail and go into a storm. We can fail to listen to counsel. We can fail to listen to advice. We can fail to listen to our own wisdom. We can fail to listen to God or his word. And we can all of a sudden sail right into a storm. I've gone through things before in my life, perhaps you have too, that I brought on myself. <laughs> you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you reap corruption, right? And I'm just saying so many times we've gone into something where I know why this is happening. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I knew better than that. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a storm. Well, there are those storms. They're not satanic. They're self-imposed. And then there's a third type of storm. It's sovereign. Did you know sometimes God will sovereignly send a storm into your life? He does that, as I said earlier, to try to reveal some things to us about us. Sometimes he will do that to reveal things about the people we have around us to us. Storms will help you evaluate what's important and what's significant. One of the things they, they would do in those ancient vessels, if they were going in a storm and taking on water, they would lighten the load. Remember Acts chapter 27 when Paul was on that Alexandrian ship on the way to Rome and they went into the storm. And one of the things they were doing to try to right the vessel, the Bible says that they, throw, they were throwing the cargo overboard. Now that cargo was expensive. The cargo is what paid the bills. The cargo is what was necessary to get them to the, to, to, you know, to, to, to the next uh, port and, and to fulfill orders. And it, they, they were merchant, they, merchants. They had to have cargo. But man, when you go through a storm, all of a sudden, it teaches you what's really valuable. All of a sudden, you learn what's really important. All of a sudden, you learn the things that you can do without and the things you can do with. And so you start lightening the boat. Sometimes God will send you through a storm to show you, you got some stuff on your boat you don't need. <laughs> you got some cargo you're carrying that you need to get rid of. 
You got some stuff in the boat that needs to get out of the boat. And sometimes he'll send you through a storm as his child to try to show you what's valuable, what you need and what you don't need. By the way, who you need and who you don't need. So I'm just suggesting you the power of the storm. Don't underestimate the power of the storm. They can be sudden. They can be severe. They can be sent. God has a reason. Number two, you see something about the perception of the sailors. All of his disciples were seasoned sailors. Simon Peter, in fact, owned several fishing vessels. One of the boats Jesus would preach out of was owned by Simon Peter. (laughs) And when Jesus called to him, he said, Simon, I want you to follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. I'm going to take that unique ability, that skill set that you have that have enabled you to be a successful businessman to catch fish, and I want you to use those abilities in ministry now. Follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. So these guys were seasoned veterans. But the Bible says, remember when Jesus calls them out later? The Bible says these men were full of fear. They were full of fear. You ever flown on a small plane and you go through some bad turbulence and look at the pilot, (laughs) make sure he's okay or make sure she's still smiling? You don't really ever worry till they're worried and they're worried you got a problem. Well, I'm just suggesting to your heart that when these veteran sailors are getting worried, they had a problem. And it's interesting because the word fear is not the normal word for fear that you read in the Bible oftentimes. That word is phobos. We get phobia from that arachnophobia, fear of spiders, you know. This is a different level of fear. This is delos. Delos is terror. Not phobos. Phobos is, well, that scares me. I don't want to be around that. But delos is, oh my gosh. I mean, it is fear on steroids. It it is to the extent of almost making one lose faith, lose hope. It is terror. And that is the word that was used to describe the level of fear these sailors have. They know, I've never seen a storm that's vicious. I've never seen anything quite like this. And so they're in a totally different place. They're full of fear. And you know what fear did? It made them doubt God. It made them doubt him. Remember when they go and they see him and they look at Jesus and he's at peace. They say to him, don't you care? (laughs) Don't you care? Now, before I'm critical of them, and I'm not critical of them at all, I'm just admitting I've been there. Have you ever been in a storm that's rocked your boat and, and, and you've had the water coming inside and it's gotten you to the point that you've wondered, does Jesus care? Does he care? I mean, he's promised. He said, will he keep his promise? Not only does he care, is he going to keep his promise? I mean, he said, we're going to the other side. But have you ever been in a point in your life, a place in your life, when you've wondered, will will he keep his promise to me? I mean, before we criticize the apostles, we need to understand, if we're honest about it, every one of us has been to that place. When you're in the middle of a storm and the water's coming in the boat and you don't have peace and the joy is leaving your life and you're looking up in the heavens like, God, where are you? Don't you care? I mean, you promised that you would help others. Are you going to help me? And then they say, don't you care that we're going to die? I'm just suggesting to your heart this morning that when you go through a storm, uh, it, it can cause you, it can cause you to question things in your life about God and one of the ways you know you're getting to that point is when the water comes into the boat as long as they were in the storm and long as the water was outside of the boat they don't question God 
You know why? Because they could handle that. They've been that far before. They've been into that type of storm before. But man, when you sail into a storm like you've never been in before, you lose someone you love, you get the diagnosis that you weren't wanting, the loss of the job, the child is sick. All of a sudden, you're in a storm you've never been in before. And I'm telling you, even the strongest sailors struggle in those fierce storms. And the water comes over the boat, and the tendency is to say, God, don't you care? Are you going to keep your promise to me? Is this going to take me under? And the third thing I want to see is the presence of the Savior. These guys had enough sense to know when you're in a storm that you can't handle and you're in something you can't deal with, you go to Jesus. The beautiful thing was, you know what he did? He responded to them. You know what's interesting? Think about this. He's asleep in the middle of the storm. So the storm didn't affect him. The storm, listen, the storm didn't disturb him. You know what moved God? It wasn't the sound of the waves. It wasn't the roar of the wind. What moved him was the voice of his kids. Now, there's moms watching me right now. Um, You can sleep soundly, but one child cries out in the night, and you'll wake up. (laughs) Now, dads, not so much. Dads just turn on up the, the volume of the TV and go back to sleep. But a mom will get up, right? Remember what Jesus said, his maternal instincts? He said, oh, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you under my wings as a hen gathers her little ones? But you wouldn't. He has those maternal instincts. It's not your circumstance that moves the heart of God. It's you. He hears your voice. You may pray sometimes and you feel like it's not getting out of the room, but I want you to know the God of heaven hears you when you pray. There's nothing that he can't do. There's no prayer that he cannot answer. God heard them. He responded to them. Not only did he respond, but notice the second thing he did. He rescued them. The Bible says when he got, they got to that breaking point, sometimes you have to get to that breaking point. I've told you, you can fall on the rock. You can't fall off. And sometimes God will respond when we're finally broken before him and say, God, I cannot right the ship. I cannot do this on my own. And as long as they were able to do what they could do on their own, they did it. But the minute they got into the storm and the minute it was coming into the boat and the minute they got themselves into a place where they could not help themselves, they turned to him. Can I tell you, sometimes the storms will bring you to a place where you know I can't save me, I can't help me. Only God can. And he responded and he rescued them. He goes out and the Bible says, rebukes the wind. Are you scaring my kids? Quit that. (laughs) Rebukes them. And then he said, peace, be still. And those waters immediately ceased. Those waters immediately stopped being so frightened and they stopped being so fearful. And in that moment, you know what his disciples saw? They saw once again, not only was he man and not only was he human, but they saw he was deity. He was God. He was God in flesh. We talked about it at Christmas time. God incarnate, the incarnation, God in the flesh. They saw him as a man become tired and want to sleep, but they saw him as God who had power over all that he had created. And they were blown away. And I would tell you, God has power. The storm that you're going through, he has power. The difficulty you're facing, he has power. I've told you before listen, there's no sin he can't forgive, there's no burden he can't lift. There's no problem he can't solve. You've never brought anything to him that he cannot handle. And that's true right now. 
That's true today. He will respond. He will rescue. Not only did he do that, he reassured them. He reassured them. He reassured them of what, Bill? He reassured them that he's kept his word. Boys, we're going to get to the other side. (laughs) What I told you when the waters were calm was still true when the waters were rough. And let me tell you what God has promised you in the light. He will not forget you in the dark. When you go through the storms of life, that same God that told you to set sail, that same God will take care of you when you're in the storm. He will not forget his own. And he reassured them of his promise. He reassured them of his word to them. He cannot fail. He will not fail. He cannot lie. I told you last week, he can't even exaggerate. So he reassured them. And then he reasoned with them. He reasoned with them. What do I mean by that? He said, fellas, why the doubt? Why that little faith? I mean, I'm on the boat with you. Don't you know that if I'm on the boat with you, you ain't going to (laughs) sink? Listen, is Jesus in your boat? You're not going to sink. Now, you may get scared from time to time, but you're not going to sink. How can you sink when the creator of the world is on your boat? Is he in your house? Is he in your heart? You're not going to sink. You may get scared from time to time. He has you. There's nothing that can come against you that God cannot handle. He's got you. Trust him trust him. I want to encourage those of you maybe watching the service today in that storm. Let me ask you, is he in your boat? (laughs) Is he in your boat? Has there been that moment in your life when you've humbled your heart and you said, Lord Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I'm tired of dipping water. I'm tired of turning over new leaves. All of my new year's resolutions come in one year and go out the next. I'm tired of that. I need to finally get the fix. I need to finally realize you're the answer. I need to connect with my creator. Have you ever done that? We've had folks in every service that's been watching us while we've been doing the online services who've humbled their hearts, as I'm asking you to do, and have received Christ. And as I close this service, let me say, if you've never done that, right where you are, swallow your pride, humble your heart. Pray a prayer like this. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on a cross I believe you rose on Easter. And right now, with everything I know about me, I trust everything I know about you. Come into my heart and forgive my sin. Father, be a reality in me. That's my prayer. And Lord, bring me peace. Either take me out of this storm, or Father, give me peace in the midst of the storm. And I trust you with all that I am. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to know it. You can go right on the platform where you are and comment about it. Our staff will follow up with you, but I'd love to know that. You can email me, bramseymetchurch.com. I'll get to those emails and be able to respond to you. It may take me a little while, but I'll get to them all. I read all those comments, so I hope you'll share with me your thoughts and let us pray for you. We want this to be an interactive experience, our staff with you as we go through this time. We're seeing literally tens of thousands of people that are viewing our services because you're sharing it and you're getting the word out there. And we want to continue to have that positive effect of seeing God take his word through the power of his Holy Spirit and calm fears and strengthen people's lives. So I pray these services will be that for you. Pray for us again this week. As Rob said, we'll be, uh, Food Pantry will be serving tomorrow. Helpout.org is that organization of our church that can help you with food. Let us know if you know of someone that needs that help. Let us know if we can pray with you about anything. I just tell you again today, I love you guys. Look forward to the time we can see face to face. 
But until that time, we'll just continue doing what we're doing, trusting and believing God. And uh, I'll see you, uh, I guess, tomorrow night at the Bible study at my house. And then you'll see all the online, uh, online activities. We'll be back here on uh, Friday night with a good Friday service. So look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.